welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the Incomparable family. This is your host, Trish Yim, and with me today are Michael. Hi. And Mandy. <laughs> Hi. Okay, so the episodes we're talking about today are 11 and 12 of season two, and that's The Martian Chronicles and The Luthers. Or no, just I think it's Luthers. So, Michael, you said you were going to be able to give us a recap, so let's start with the Martian Chronicles. All right, let's see. Hopefully I can do this nice and quick. Kara and Monel are a bit awkward because Kara previously turned Monel down. Uh, it's Kara's Earth birthday, and she and Alex always celebrate, but Alex is bailing because Maggie surprised her with tickets for her favorite band. Uh, John has, be, has been stalking Magan, supposedly to keep her <laughs> safe, <laughs> and a white Martian shows up to attack Magan, gets temporarily fought off. Turns out, he's her former mate, and the council, whatever that is, wants her dead. Um, so this especially bad Martian dude threatens her friends, so she heads to the DEO to let them know. Uh, Alex is feeling guilty for canceling on Kara, and the white Martian attacks, and our team doesn't know who they're disguised as. Uh, John reveals fire breaks Martian's shape-changing, so they do that. They wave fire around to see who's who. Turns out, wins the Martian, and he tries to make the whole base explode. Uh, while hunting the Martians down, Kara and Alex have a heart-to-heart. -heart. Then the fighting starts, and it turns out Alex was a white Martian, too. Uh, Team Supergirl wins. Wind stops the base from exploding. John confesses his love, and Magan goes back to Mars to try to nudge other white Martians to be good, too. Uh, and finally, it turns out Alex remembers the conversation Kara had with Martian Alex, so she bails on the concert, surprises Kara with an Earth birthday cupcake. Uh, she also tells Kara she should pursue a relationship with Monel. Kara tries to have that conversation, and then it turns out he's on his way to a date with someone else. So I think that's everything. Okay. Yes. Very <laughs> succinct. All right. So uh, does anyone have any starting comments? Yeah. There are a lot of aliens in this universe who are just as powerful as Supergirl. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it just throws me every time somebody else comes up who can just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with her without any real difficulty. I, I feel like they have massively depowered Supergirl. Um, and I, I know I've had conversations on Twitter and the like about this before and how Superman and Supergirl's powers can uh, be dialed up and down for a writer's uh, convenience. Uh, but I feel like in Supergirl in general, they've made her less powerful than I'm used to seeing Superman. I feel that too. I feel like, uh, you know, she she rocks with the punches a lot in a way where I feel like Superman would kind of just stand there unmovably as, as petty people try to <laughs> punch him. <laughs> yeah, I, it also strikes me that maybe more aliens should be superheroes if so many of them are as powerful as her. But right? They're not <laughs> real. <laughs> I, I'm also, you know, while we're talking about the White Martians who are able to throw her around, with the White Martians, when they take on another form, when they look human, they still have the same power as when they're a White Martian? That's what it looks like from this episode, I guess? Okay. Yeah, as far as I can tell. All right. It, it was a little confusing to me. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like... Uh, Jean always like reveals himself before he uses his powers instead of using his powers in human form, if that makes sense. Hmm. Whereas with the white Martians, they just have their same powers, whether they're in human form or white Martian form. And that could be a difference between white Martians and green Martians. But I don't know. We never see Jean Jones flying in human form, right? We only ever see him do it in green Martian form. Well, uh, what else are you going to spend your CG budget on? <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. I, it also disconcerts me that apparently there are no clothing in white martian culture like they have no clothing but the green oh, martians do yeah. <laughs> i suppose that could be a cultural difference yeah um, 
By the way, uh, someone with more knowledge than me of the comics, um, are the white and green Martians really from our Mars? Um, they are, yeah. It's super weird here where it turns out, I think this is the first episode where we discover, oh, there's an entire society still living on Mars. Whereas I, normally it's like, this is, uh, my uh, understanding is that normally they're they're all dead. Which, you know, in con- this context, the green Martians are, but the... It seems like they have an entire council and, like, society of white Martians that Magan is going back to, which seems a little weird. It feels like humans would have discovered them via telescope or something. Right. Yeah. Um, the ominous, they're coming. Uh, wouldn't they already be flying all around the solar system? Right. Exactly. Um, Hmm. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try not to think too hard about that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and Magan's going to go back to her people... But this is a, you're right, that indicates there's like a whole people, whereas I thought from earlier discussions, like Mars was desolate. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't worry too much about this stuff trying to make sense. Um, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, so I, I don't recall in the first season, did we see much of the like psychic link with people who are captured in order for them to be able to operate with their memories before this? I uh, feel like be- that has come up. Yes. Okay. In the White Martian episode in the first season. Got it. Okay. Um, I, that was an interesting, interesting take. Uh, I, I did like how that kind of pushed Alex and Kara to have a conversation that they were kind of going back and forth about because it was a little annoying at the beginning. I was like, come on, girls, you, you know better. Talk to each other. Well, okay, uh, so, so let's talk about Earth Birthday. You yes. know, okay. like we have <laughs> Earth Birthday, which is the day Kara came to Earth. Mm-hmm. And Maggie surprises... Alex with these tickets that happen on Earth birthday. Like, Alex knew it was Earth birthday. Why didn't she tell Maggie, like, months ago, like, hey, I can't do anything on this night. This is, this is Kara's, like, we have a thing, you know? I'm like, she knows Kara is Supergirl. She could even explain the situation to Maggie. I, it it kind of baffles yeah. my mind. Feels like a pretty easy explanation. It's like, hey, this is the day that Kara came to Earth. Oh, okay, yeah, that's probably more important than this concert. <laughs> but yeah. And, and I understand she's a super fan, but let me tell you, as someone who has a birthday that is always in conflict with siblings and friends uh, events, because my birthday is Valentine's Day, uh, oh. there is no excuse for skipping birthday. <laughs> you, you knew birthday was coming all year. It, it never changes. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just I understand it's a new relationship for Alex and she doesn't want to, like, tell Maggie no too many times. But come on. Car is your sister. It's it's also her first relationship, as far as we can tell, right? Right, right. Maybe she's just just not used to sharing important dates and stuff like that. Yeah, could be. Which does strike me as something else about this, considering that it's a. Uh, Alex is pretty new to this relationships thing, but she's giving Kara advice on relationships, and I feel like she's not really in a place to do that right now. Uh, but yes, <laughs> so I because I'm not feeling the Monel thing and. Uh, the conversation that Alex has, I'm like, no, no, don't, don't tell Kara to do that, please. While we're talking about relationships, I have to say I was a little irritated that uh, the the White Martian sent to hunt McGann turned out to be her mate. I mean, I know it's a CW show, but does everybody have to be paired up on this show? You know, it, it really does mess with me. The fact that she's a mate and, uh, and then also John and McGann are getting together, it seems a little bit, yeah... Seems a little much. All right, the the mole hunt or double hunt. 
I enjoyed that uh, a little bit, um, especially with the flames. That reminded me of the scene in The Thing where they were trying to find out who's a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, figuring out who's who's who was interesting. Uh, it was a little weird how everybody was kind of hesitant to go up to the flame. I mean, I understand John because he has history with fire, but everybody else goes really slow up to the flame as if they're afraid they're going to be surprised uh, by, I don't know, like afraid that they're going to be surprised that they're the Martian or something because the, the two human DEO agents get really thrown by that. And, uh, and like they're suspicious of each other, but then they also go really slow instead of eagerly to prove that they're not the one. It's very weird. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, uh, open burning blue flame is... I, I was uh, alarmed at first when I thought people were going to actually have to hold their hand over the flame and, and burn themselves to prove they weren't <laughs> they, they, they weren't an alien. Um, but uh, after that, it should have it been a little more matter-of-fact, except for the person who actually was the Martian. I liked that they actually explained to us that Supergirl couldn't just look around the building because it's lead-lined because of earlier paranoia about aliens. Yeah. Let me think think about that for a second. So Jean was originally pretty paranoid about Superman and, you know, keeping kryptonite and uh, making the building lead-lined. But now we know there are whole bunches of aliens out there with other powers. So what was the point of all that? Um, I, I wonder, is it just because Superman was super prominent? Uh, it it hmm. feels a little bit weird, but I, I think you're totally right. It throws some of that suspicion into question if Superman is just one of many superpowered right. superheroes or aliens around versus, you know, the one significant one. Yeah, I also, so with this whole, Kara has x-ray vision, there are people who can shapeshift. So are we to assume that when the Martians shapeshift, they look completely human if you were to take an x-ray of them? I, I guess? So there's no way for her to look at people and determine they're not human because their internal organs don't match up. So when the green Martians and white Martians shapeshift into humans, they become completely human. Except for their powers are still there. And Somehow. except fire can reveal their original skin. Right. Hmm. Hmm. So, which I find questionable because the fire thing makes it seem like it's more of an illusion. Right. Uh, so, uh, I, I mean, I don't know why I'm trying to apply science to Supergirl. Uh, <laughs> we, we, you've already established on this podcast that science is magic. So That's true. That's true. <laughs> it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I don't know that we're going to get anywhere if we keep trying to make sense of it. Yeah, I... I really like that Wynn was the Martian. He was very believable as still being himself. And he is probably the most dangerous one, as shown, to make uh, an enemy because he can shut down the whole base with yeah. out their permission. <laughs> Good point. Uh, and, and on rewatch, too, it doesn't feel like they just brought that out of thin air. On rewatch, I, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can kind of tell that he's the Martian. Um, but I didn't see that the first time. So uh, it felt pretty genuine. I felt like this episode was actually a really nice display of Wynn's, like, importance and skill set, right? Like, uh, we don't get that very often, and he's been pulled into this whole annoying Guardian storyline. But this was a nice episode that that showed that he actually is an asset to the DEO. Yes. One other thing, minor, very minor thing, but I liked it, was that uh, when they had the countdown to the explosion and they had to disable or, you know, uh, cancel it, um, 
Uh, it, it they actually stopped the countdown not at you know zero zero <laughs> you know not, not not at zero seconds as as is some the trope, shows are know. yes as is the trope they actually stopped it with twelve seconds to spare <laughs> a whopping twelve seconds they had plenty right. of time <laughs> <laughs> what were you all worried about <laughs> so I enjoyed that yeah uh, so I mean I guess in this episode we have what it's three storylines right there's the Kara Manel storyline, mm. the Kara Alex storyline, and then the Martian storyline, right? Yeah. So uh, the Martian one's pretty straightforward. Um, I guess they're all pretty straightforward, really. We've talked about two of them. Did we really? I guess I talked a little bit about the Kara Manel one. Anybody else have any comments on that? I, I don't ship it. Uh, I know I've said this before, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like Kara and Manel together. It's kind of like, oh, look, they're two aliens, so obviously they should get together. When I, I I don't see why Kara is attracted to him. I mean, obviously it makes sense he's attracted to Kara. She's wonderful. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't see, like, he, he is an annoying frat boy. She's not wrong, right? Like, so... <laughs> well, I think he's shown some evolution. And maybe she's in love with her project of teaching him to be a, you know, normal boy <laughs> yeah but it, it, it he's a frat boy with it, promise it annoys me because it's kind of the like you can change the bad boy with your love trope you know and it's like that that just annoys me you you can't change him with your love he's still gonna be a frat boy <laughs> i mean he might get better right he and he might become a hero but as was displayed in the last episode right he's only becoming a hero because he wants to impress her and it's what he thinks she wants him to do not because he actually cares about being a hero yeah Although that does get touched on a little bit in the next episode. Yes. So, yeah, do we? Is there much else to talk about in this uh, in this particular episode? I feel like the next one had a little bit more content. I liked that Magan and Jean didn't kiss goodbye. They just kind of rested their foreheads against each other. That was another going yeah. against trope, and you know, yeah. it, it was it was a nice way to make things different from from other relationships might have been. That is something I really do like that they've done with the Martians is they continue to make them feel actually alien. Like they have their own culture and things that go on. They have the the bond, like the, the mental bond thing that they do. They had this where that goodbye was kind of their heads going together. And I assume there was some kind of psychic thing going on too. But a lot of the other aliens, it feels like they just fall straight into human right. culture. I, I also like, you know, Magan and uh, Jean are both older, right? They're they're not, like, enthralled by these flames of passion that they, they can't, like, control, you know? Their relationship feels like a relationship between older, wiser people who have 300 years of life experience. Yes, I, I agree that, you know, it's very nice to see a different kind of pairing from, from the awkward young love yeah. pairings <laughs> of uh, yeah. Do you like Manel me like me? And Alex and Matt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, this is the CW, so uh, so we are supposed to get a lot of these, what, teenage or teenager-ish romances, I feel like, a lot of the time. So. Yeah. Yes, but, but that I agree. makes This it, is a nice exception. That makes it all the much nicer to see the uh, more mature relationship between Jean and Magan. Mm-hmm. Seeing adults in action is very refreshing. Yeah, because Alex, even though she is technically an adult, does not act like an adult when in her relationship either. Because <laughs> it's right. new to her. And Kara's in middle school when it comes to, when it comes to love. <laughs> oh, and one more trope that got subverted was that uh, Jean uh, told Megan 
in around the middle of the episode, I'll protect you forever, he said. And my immediate thought was, she's doomed. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of expecting her to die that very episode. So (laughs) she's off camera now on, you know, going to Mars. I don't know if we'll see or hear from her again, but uh, I hope so. She was an interesting character. It's nice that that Jean's also like uh, stepped past his his racism, uh, you know, uh, of all white Martians. And it'll, but it'll be interesting to see if uh, if she does bring back other white Martians, if he can accept them too, uh, or you know, because he has this special bond with Magan, uh, which which able is able to help him get past the pain and hurt her people have caused him. Right? Yeah. Right. Uh, I also really, really liked her justification for having to go back to like, it, it actually felt pretty well reasoned. It's like, well, the truth is there are others who are probably like me and they just need a nudge. And it's like, you know, that's, that's probably true. And you are the only person who can really do that. So, uh, so it was good reasoning for somebody going off. Whereas a lot of the time in these shows, people they'll do something and there's just really no reasonable explanation for what they're going to go off and do. All in all, I mean, I was pretty comfortable with the episode. I, I appreciated it. Um, are we done with this episode? Yes, or work let's on, move, move on, on to the next and one? can you give us the recap for Luther's? All right, uh, here goes. I think this one might be a little bit rougher than the last one, but we'll see. All right, we're exposed to Lena's adoption process and the super weird and super creepy Luther family. Lily and Luther's trial is supposed to be happening. Um, Alex comes out to the team, and everyone is totally cool with it. Uh, we found out uh, that Manel hasn't actually been dating because he can't stop talking about Kara. Lillian breaks out of prison with the help of Hank Henshaw and Metallo, and video shows Lena's involved, but it's fake, and uh, it sends Lena to prison framed. Lena gets dragged out of prison by Metallo. James, as guardian, fights Metallo and loses, because, duh. Uh, but <laughs> someone knows, uh, somehow he knows Metallo's kryptonite is broken. Uh, not sure how that how he finds that out. Uh, Kara is the only one standing up for Lena. Everyone else tells her she's wrong to believe in her friend. James even makes an example about how Clark used to believe that Lex wasn't evil and was wrong. Uh, it turns out the whole reason Lena was framed and brought along is because her Luther DNA was uh, is required to open Lex's secret arsenal of anti-Kryptonian weapons. Uh, and Lena is actually Lionel's real daughter as part of an affair. Uh, Wynn discovers the video that was used as evidence was fake and tracks down Metallo's bad kryptonite. The good guys go, and they win in a fight that's kind of straightforward. Metallo explodes. Uh, then Kara, Kara and James make a truce over the whole Guardian thing, and Kara and Lena keep being buddies, but then we see a flashback that shows she's better at chess than Lex, so maybe she's just playing everyone after all. Uh, and then at the very end, Kara and Manel have a conversation and almost kiss before Mr. Mixes Pitlick appears to sow discord for the next episode. <laughs> Bravo. Did you rehearse Mr. Mr. Pitslick? <laughs> I, I basically just said it out loud a bunch of times during the <laughs> episode to see if I could say it. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, this was a really interesting episode. And something that got me right off the bat is, uh, uh, so everyone thinks Lena is guilty of this thing. James's reactions to Lena, especially at the beginning, uh, before he gives any explanation, just struck me as really harsh. Like, I understand that as a news person to run the story that she is guilty. Like, that is the story, right? And it's not, the news may not wait around for the DEO to analyze this footage. But at, on the personal level, when him and uh, Kara were having conversations, it was almost like he was like, I don't care what you think of Lena as a person. I don't care if she is a good person. She's a Luther, therefore she is evil. Yeah. 
And I was just like, James, whoa, like, calm yourself. <laughs> People aren't just born evil. There, there is not actually an evil gene that I am aware of. Geneticists, is there an <laughs> evil gene? <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I have so many thoughts about this episode. Just as an overarching thing, I think it would have been a little stronger if we hadn't seen the beginning of it with the actual breakout. And so we knew from the beginning that Lena actually was innocent. And uh, I think it would have been more interesting if we had had the perspective that the people on the show had, which was that, gee, it looks like she's guilty. And then uh, in, in that way, we would have had a little cause to doubt Supergirl. Uh, but here it was like, we already knew that Supergirl was right all along. Right. Yeah. I think that weakened it a little, weakened the drama a little bit. And to me, and I mean, this has been brought up on this podcast before, but I basically always side with Superman. And when James brings up that Clark Kent refused to believe Lex was evil uh, for a long time and was wrong, I'm like, yeah, but but if Superman did it, it means it's right to trust people and give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it works against him because especially Kara really likes Clark, too. So, well, I mean, it's the whole idea of innocent until proven guilty. Right. Like that, mm-hmm. that's right. a fundamental American idea. And, and I feel like James was proposing, no, she's guilty because of who she is. And if anything, this is not this episode did not help me like James. I've been really struggling with James this <laughs> season. Um, I, I spoke to Michael mm-hmm. about this a little bit earlier. Uh, I liked him in season one, but it seems like this season, the writers just don't know what to do with him. And between the Guardian storyline and this where he's like, you're going to trust Lena over me. And I'm like, why are you making him? her rack and stack her friends right like she knows lena is not guilty uh she's the one who told lena to go see her mother you know like Mm -hmm. lena would not have gone and seen her mother if supergirl had not showed up so why why james do you think you're more trust like i don't i don't know i don't like it when friends try to push that like you should trust me more than your other friends kind of uh BS. It, it really yeah. bothers me. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, the That whole conversation was really frustrating, and especially because it's like, oh, well, you trust her because she's your friend, but you don't trust me, and I'm your friend. And it's like, what? It's not like she thinks that you're right. evil. She's like, <laughs> it's like she, <laughs> I feel like she just doesn't necessarily think you should be fighting crime because you don't have superpowers and you have yeah, other things you can do. it's completely different. She's saying she trusts Lena did not commit a crime. She's saying that you are human and should not be fighting crime with people with bullets. These are not the same thing. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure that if somebody accused Guardian of a crime, now that she knows your Guardian, she would be like, no, James right. didn't do that. Right. Like, I, <laughs> so, it's a, it's a really really weird kind of thing. And I know that they, they've tried in previous episodes to frame this whole discussion. Uh, and sometimes Kara's arguments against James are kind of unfair, but it's just not bringing me around to the whole thing. Like I, they're doing a better job of making me just doubt James in general. And it's unfortunate because I really like the actor and I really like, I want to like the character more. And I did like the character. Yeah, more. I really liked him in um, the first season. So, uh, so mm-hmm. I, I'm really confused what the writers are trying to do with him. I wondered, also, you were talking about uh, with, with James being so dead set against um, Lena and that being because of Clark's experience with uh, with Lex. I'm having a hard time imagining Clark having some deep heart-to-heart with James, the guy he met later, about his uh, sad, conflicted 
relationship with Lex. It it just doesn't. That yeah. is a conversation I have difficulty imagining. So I, I don't know why James takes the whole thing personally. Yeah, I, I don't either. Yeah, but uh, speaking of that, this, this whole episode gave me a lot of feels thinking back to Smallville when, when yep. I was a fan in the <laughs> early seasons. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I have all, all 10 seasons of Smallville on DVD on my show. Well, I, I felt like that was a direct call to Smallville because uh, I'm not sure in every version of Superman him and Lex are friends. Are they, Michael? Our Superman expert? Not, no, certainly not in every version. Sometimes it happens, but in Smallville, they really beat us right, over the head right. with it, right, Trish? Right, absolutely. Um, you know, I was thinking so much about the early relationship between Lex and, and Clark, and were they really destined to be enemies, or was it just a series of bad choices, which is kind of what I right. feel like now. Um, you know, you can say that uh, Clark was right not to ever really trust Lex because Lex betrayed him in in the end and you know became his enemy but if if Clark had been a little more trusting a little more open you know Lex knew that Clark was lying to him about something and yeah. if they had you know trusted each other maybe it could have been a beautiful friendship instead of the twisted relationship that it was um so anyway I I was thinking <laughs> a lot about that, um, and uh, the difference here, of course, is is that Kara's trusting. Well, she's certainly not trusting Lena with her secret. Um, <laughs> that that would be a mistake at this stage. But uh, she's she's certainly she's willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Let it, let me put it that way. So yeah, well, one of the interesting things about this, and again, that conversation with James, and it is that it feels like Supergirl is very much a post Superman story. Like, Superman, uh, you know, part of the whole intro is that Superman had already arrived and was already Superman. Like, he was already an established hero by the time she even landed as a teenager. Right? So, he is, like, all of his conflict and so on and his villains, like, they're, they're already who they are. And sure, he's got his own stuff going on and he's their hero, but, like... He doesn't have to establish trust with society. People already know and believe that he'll be there for them and so on. Uh, his I mean, Lex Luthor, that whole thing is already done with, you know? And that's just, it's really neat the way they position that because it, as someone who's a big Superman fan, I'm not sitting here wondering constantly, like, what's Superman up to? It's like, oh, he's probably just doing his day-to-day superheroing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he doesn't necessarily need to have any major sagas going on right now the way that Supergirl does. So part of that, though, is in this, Metallo is, you know, he is historically from Superman and so on, and they use him in this. And uh, the, I don't understand why they felt like they needed to do the unstable kryptonite thing, except to just not have it floating out and about afterwards. But there was a line that John said, uh, which is like, kryptonite is normally the most stable of elements. And I'm not sure that's how element, like, that's how physics work. I, I don't <laughs> think that's how chemistry works, because I feel like kryptonite is inherently radioactive right in order for it to be able to do anything at a distance and anything that's radioactive and produces radioactive decay is not stable like that radioactivity is the inherent instability of the elements this is a very weird statement well they don't (laughs) understand science (laughs) i don't think that physics would behave that differently on krypton yeah it's it just didn't make any sense like i mean the most stable of elements are by definition the noble elements right the noble gases like that that's literally what makes them what they are and 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 kryptonite is like sitting there radiating (laughs) radiating actively to the point where it affects things around (laughs) it it's like that's uh it's super unstable as an element 
then also there's the Kara and James truce at the end, uh, which, I mean, I guess it's cool that they're deciding to be friends and not try to protect each other, but he's still wrong. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll see if, uh, like, I feel like that's not the end of this conversation. Oh, also, so at the, at the end, when Lena, not Lena, Lillian escapes. There are too many L names. Like, well, the Luthers—they're all all L's. I right? know. Did 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 yes. uh, Lionel make his baby mama name his daughter Lena so it goes in the L like family? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe the baby mama was also named L because he's just got that you know he's got that thing going for him. Lucy, any number of but, things. But but Lillian has a metallo shoot at that crane, right? And she's like, you can either stop the crane or. You you can catch me and and Kara was literally standing right next to to Lillian and this kind of goes back to the they've depowered uh, Supergirl a bit but I was like you're standing right next to her how much more effort is, is it to grab her fly with her stop the crane you get both like I don't understand I'm also confused with how quickly can they move away because like I don't think Metallo is necessarily as fast as Supergirl I would think right not like he's strong. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she should be able to get the crane and then it's like, okay, maybe they're a half a mile away. I don't think that stops her from super speeding over to to catch them anyways. So very well, and That's been one of my complaints with the show is outside of the episodes that Flash is in, they like to pretend that Supergirl isn't actually that fast. That's right. <laughs> Except for when she's flying, I guess. When she's flying from like city to city, then she can do it faster than she otherwise. It's very weird. They don't use her super, power, her super speed consistently at all. Well, you know, you can only get into super high gear outside of the city. <laughs> uh, uh, otherwise, you, you might harm other helicopters. I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I guess in this episode, which we have the Lena storyline, which also is like the Lena Lillian storyline. So there's that family trust thing. We have Kara and Monel kind of coming to a close, except not quite. And then just I guess the mention of Kara and James distrust is that are those the three things that we've got going on here? Well, I mean, there's also I mean, there's Lena's whole personal storyline that's not necessarily Lena and Kara, but sure. Yeah. So. Uh, how do we feel about Lena's personal storyline? Uh, I'm really liking Lena in in this show so far. I, I don't know if we're still the show is going to go supervillain with her and, or not. I feel like the ending was you were right in your recap, Michael, very ominous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I do think she is a smart cookie who you know knew her mother was playing her. And uh, she probably would have better off not listening to Kara's advice and not going to visit her mother. Yeah. Yes, she perhaps should have trusted her instincts in this, but um, I, I do. I've been enjoying her. I'm I'm really happy that they're taking time with Lena because at the beginning, when when I when they made it look like she was bad, and then she wasn't. You know, at that point, I was afraid they were going to make her evil right away, and that would have been very disappointing. Now I still quite can't quite tell you know, whether she's running some kind of really long game or if she really is trying to be good or maybe it's just more complex than that. But yeah. I've been enjoying watching her and uh, enjoying the conversations she's been having uh, with Kara. And so I'm happy that she's a part of this show. I've been enjoying watching all that develop. I, I totally agree. I really like her a lot. Uh Trish, you mentioned earlier just the kind of budding relationship and the fact that Kara hasn't trusted her yet right. with things. And so far, I mean, part of this whole episode was that Kara trusted her when no one else did. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Uh, it's possible too, just with the the ending that it could be a red airing. It could be really the writers hedging their bets mm-hmm. and 
leaving it open. Maybe they haven't even decided which way they want to go with her right. in the long term. I mean, if the show goes long enough, I could see her just becoming a permanent good guy and knowing Kara's secret and everything. Or I could also see things going where something happens that makes Kara actually suspect her and that lack of trust tips her the other way. Um, you know, so they could go either way in probably a way that would be satisfying, but I would love for her to not go bad or for there to be like one short conflict that gets resolved and then she's a good guy. Well, I, I really am hoping that Lena just kind of stays, uh, ambiguous, like third party maybe Mm. is the word I'm looking for. Like not all good guys have to be on team Supergirl. Oh, good point. Uh, and Supergirl's team is not always right. Uh, and, you know, Lena has a different perspective from Supergirl as a human uh, who lives on Earth. Um, it, it's like in an earlier episode, right, where Lena was developing technology where you could tell aliens from humans. And Supergirl was really disconcerted by this. But from Lena's perspective, like, that's not an evil thing to do, mm-hmm. right? That's like making sure your date isn't secretly a white Martian, you know, right. <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, to be fair... Who knows, you know, like when you're when you introduce something like as extreme as aliens into the mix, it makes for some interesting conflict. And I feel like Supergirl is so pro alien and Cadmus is so anti alien. And I and I hope Lena kind of stays somewhere in the middle, which sometimes puts her at conflict with Kara. But she's not evil. Right. Yes. She, she just has a different perspective and is coming at it from a, a different place. Yeah. Well, so I, I think I agree. I would like her to be a like a friend consistently, but an independent, I mean, still a good guy, but an independent one who has her own opinions and stances. Yeah. Uh, Not necessarily one of the Scooby squad uh, with this team. So yeah, it's pretty, uh, the only ties between these two episodes really were the, was the Monel storyline, right? Oh, Monel. (laughs) Yes. Is he still working at the bar? Did did he only make it past one day? Mm. I'm not really sure. Um, I guess he is still working there, because at that party, he serves them. And he's yeah. been having club soda all week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Trish, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Uh, I, I was just going to talk a little bit about the evolution of Monel. We We see at the very beginning, or close to the beginning, when um, when Alex comes out, and Monel is so casual about it. Oh, is is that... Is that the thing you were going to tell us? And they say, oh, you don't care. And he says, and so that's good. But then they say, oh, you don't care. And he says, yeah, on Daxum, the more the merrier, implying <laughs> it's okay here if if part of the harem is lesbians among themselves as long as they're part of the harem. So <laughs> not so evolved, revealing his, his you know, he's, he's still uh, kind of a frat boy from... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guess I shouldn't insult fraternity boys, but, uh, you know, <laughs> he's not as evolved as all that. But I do feel like he has changed a bit, even if it's for reasons of wanting to please Kara. You know, maybe he'll get into the habit of it. There, You know, um, I believe C.S. Lewis says, if you practice doing good things, you'll become a good person eventually. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a very rough paraphrase. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, he is not someone for her to idolize and think is perfect. But I don't think you necessarily need that in a romantic relationship. Um, and so I am actually fine with their relationship as it's been evolving. I don't believe it's going to last, but uh, <laughs> I, I I think they should be able to have, you know, 
to to enjoy each other's company and, and get romantic. I, I think the thing that's going to bust their relationship is that he still hasn't trusted her with his secret, which we, the viewer, know from two episodes ago, right? Right. Oh, he yeah. is the prince of Daxum. Or at least we think that's what's going on, right? I'm that's pretty sure. I don't, exactly. if, if this is a big fake and he's not the prince of Daxum, <laughs> they've really been messing with us. <laughs> I mean, l- let me just say, if he was a bodyguard, why can't he fight better? <laughs> That's true, too. She wouldn't have to teach him how to how to fight. That's... He's a terrible bodyguard. So uh, he was definitely the prince in, in that last, not the last episode that we just talked about, but the one before, you know, with the people bowing to him and stuff, heavily right. implied that. So if he has this secret and he hasn't told her, one, what is he afraid of? Two, who are these people chasing him that he's like now aware that there are people bowing to him? You know, I think this is all going to explode in his face when these uh, people who are looking for him show up and uh, it's going to hurt Kara because she's trusted him with everything. Yeah. And and he's not returning the favor. So I I still don't ship them. But in this particular episode, I do feel like I can defend everything that he said or done. I mean, the fact is, the club soda thing, it's not like he told Kara that that's what he was drinking and that he wasn't going to drink anything for a while. Uh, He didn't really go to tell her, like, try to get her, like, to agree to date him. Uh, He just kind of started doing his own thing. And uh, it feels like any changes, I mean, in this episode, it feels like he acted pretty reasonably most of the time conversations he had were reasonable Kara was the one who's kind of the aggressor in some conversations here or there and uh and it didn't seem like he was doing it for the sake of anything other than like well here's why I'm not good enough and maybe I should work on those things um now how whether that continues or not is a whole separate factor but I also have opinions on club soda (laughs) who drinks club soda I'm just saying I have I actually know quite a few people who do really it's disgusting yeah well, so tonic water is disgusting. Club soda is fine. I, uh, I would rather have flat water, not fizzy water. But I'm just saying, yeah. if you're going to go to a bar <laughs> and not drink, as I do on occasion, you should drink a real drink like Coca-Cola or, you know, Dr. Or a nice Pepper. refreshing Sprite that looks uh, exactly the same Sprite, as Club Soda. Sprite uh, is delicious. Uh, club soda is not. Let's and you have and, and and these people they have alien metabolisms. They don't even need to worry about the calories from right, Sprite, right? Right. And I understand Kara <laughs> has a preference, but come on, don't don't brainwash Monel into your disgusting drink choices. <laughs> Let, let's let's give him the whole soft drink spectrum. That's Mandy's opinion on club soda. Maybe maybe that is her fatal flaw <laughs> in this relationship. Is she can't help but project her drink uh tastes onto others and make them follow well, no, suit. i think that is her fatal flaw though right <laughs> not it's not the drink thing it's yes. bigger than that she she projects everything she believes onto monel and if he doesn't do what she wants him to do be a hero drink club soda whatever then he's not living up to her impossible standard i think that's very true and i also uh i feel like that's a bit of her thing in general is that she projects yeah uh, she she's uh, as was argued in in the next episode. She is kind of full of herself. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. She, she believes that she is right nearly all of the time. And although I guess she actually is right most of the time, except for maybe about relationships, you know that's that's not a really healthy place. <laughs> to- it's not really great as either a superhero or a journalist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, her journalism is not stellar. Yeah. I, I also, it was really funny. Uh, I didn't mention this during the recap because it was a minor point, but during the Martian Chronicles, the very beginning, when she's talking to Monel about previously having turned him down, she's like, you know, you were right. We're not 
we're not good for each other and puts her foot in her mouth a bunch of times. But one of the things she goes is like, and I have my, my journalism career going is like, okay, your, uh, your, your fantastic journalism <laughs> career is a great excuse. To, uh, I mean, maybe if she was a stronger journalist, I would just not think anything of that phrase. But with all the criticisms that are fairly obvious about her ability as a journalist, just doesn't hold much water as an excuse. Her ability and her judgment. Yeah. Uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, James was actually right that they needed to go with the story as it was then. You know, uh, Lillian has escaped right. and it looks like Lena helped her. That was the story then. You, you, you can't wait for, you know, six hours or a day to confirm whether that really was. You know, you say, you hedge your bets and you say, it looks like Lena helped her. But, but you don't just not run a story while this is not that world anymore. <laughs> this is, this is 24 yeah. hour news cycle. And, and I mean, her, her pitch in that context shouldn't be don't run the story. It should be like, Hey, can we make a statement that like barring additional, you know, evidence or something like that, right. you know, like just, Hey, can we make sure that we don't paint her as definitely guilty instead of, Hey, this looks pretty bad for her. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, right. There, there are ways to, twist the story where it's not like she is 100% guilty versus, you know, using words like alleged. Right, right. And, I mean, you, know. you, you you should not lead with, well, Lena Luther has finally shown her evil stripes and she's a baddie just like the rest of her family. <laughs> That's not how you lead the story. <laughs> but you, there are degrees. Yeah. <laughs> I actually forgot while watching the Martian Chronicles episode that Supergirl was a journalist. <laughs> and then getting back to the next episode, the Luthers, where she's like all this journalism stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, she has like a job. Like, <laughs> honestly, like in, in, in the Martian Chronicles, when she shows up at Catco and ran into Monel and uh, the new assistant, Eve, I was like, what is she doing there? She doesn't work there anymore. And I, like, I don't know why I forgot that. But it's just like, it seems like she spends so much time at the DEO. Why doesn't she just work for the DEO? Like, I know she wants to have like a separate life or whatever, but Alex works at the DEO. That's like a real job. Wynn works I, at the DEO. <laughs> so... That that actually reminds me of another thing is, you know, on this podcast, the various panelists I've heard multiple other people say, and I know I think it too, is that the representation of Superman they have on this show is pretty, pretty fun. Like, you know, pretty enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he's been, he's been doing this kind of thing for a long time. He's a well-respected journalist uh, and so on. It's like, you know, it'd be nice to just use this as an excuse to bring him on. If she's determined to bring, be a journalist, like, he knows how to be both a superhero and a journalist at the same time. He probably has some pointers. Or at least yeah. we could see them texting about it or, or something or, or calling. But as it is, I know that journalism is a good career for a superhero because you get to be out of the office a lot. But you're totally... Uh, Amanda, you're really right. I mean, she should just work at the DEO. I know... That would make this kind of the DEO show, but I'm I'm yeah. just uh, I'm just not feeling Kara as as a journalist. And I feel like James that would give James something to do, right? Yeah. Is if he is at the newspaper, suddenly that makes him the news. Like I right. was going to say, the news anchor, and I meant the anchor as in the plot line, not like you know anchor the job. He, he but <laughs> the investigative journalist who's un unraveling the finding the stories instead of having to be on the streets punching people. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh wow, that would be a nice thing for James to be doing. Now it bums me out even more that she's not working for the DEO <laughs> because it would give him kind of that ability to do something other than what he's currently doing. <laughs> 
I mean, I feel like her implication that she needs a life outside of the DEO kind of says that everyone else doesn't have a life who works at the DEO, <laughs> which is not very nice. All of her friends work at the DEO, <laughs> except for James. Also, Kara needs this episode more than anything with Lena just convinced me Kara needs more lady friends. And so I really hope Lena stays good and Kara can just like actually talk to Lena about some of her issues, not necessarily like Supergirl issues, but like I'm bummed because my sister got a girlfriend and doesn't hang out with me anymore kind of issues because I feel like the guys in her life just don't aren't there for that, you know? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, this is a show that it it's great that it leads or it stars a you know, a female lead and has a bunch of stronger female characters, but there's not quite enough in the way of female relationships. I mean, we have two really, I I guess there's three, but two for the main character. And she has at least as many guys in her life that she interacts with on a regular basis. as She has way more guys. And and the thing is I, I love Alex and I love their relationship, but that's a sister relationship, which is very unique to a friend relationship. And and I feel like Kara needs a female friend. I agree. (laughs) Yes. Someone who's not going to fall in love with her because James Wynn and mon have all, you know, like find her a nice female friend who happens to be straight. So we don't have to worry about them falling in love with Kara so that she can just have someone to talk to without worrying about they're going to fall in love with her. Yeah, that's true, because especially like you said, with the sister relationship, that's there's room for all other kinds of conflict like we had in the Earth birthday scenario right. and so on. Well, it would be nice to see Kara and Lena just hang out sometime without it having to be about some crisis. Right. Yeah. Like maybe Lena takes Kara shopping, you know, <laughs> like that, that would be nice. <laughs> shopping montage. Like, I mean, Kara seems somewhat stylish and Lena is definitely, you know, the high power woman who has like great, you know, outfits. So that, that seems like something they could do or go out and, you know, get their nails done or just walk around the town or, you know, just, have dinner together, anything other than sitting in Lena's office talking about, you know, I, I feel like Kara doesn't visit Lena outside of she needs to be there for like an inve- an investigation, yeah. which which kind of makes me hesitate when Kara says she's there as a friend when she shows up at Lena's place, because I'm like, are you really friends? Are you really? Mm-hmm. So it would be nice to see them actually be friends. Yes. Yep, I agree. Uh, cool. Well, I guess... Uh... I mean, I think that's everything in both of these episodes. We've covered them pretty thoroughly. I'm annoyed that Lillian turns, I mean, sorry, that Lena turns out to be a Luther by blood. (laughs) I I liked it being an adoption storyline instead of a disguise your your illegitimate child storyline. Lillian pretending to love her and, and just using her, you know, that's all fine, but... It, you know, the the fact that she's she's actually uh, Lionel's Lena is Lionel's child and not Lillian's makes that even a little less convincing that that Lena would buy for a second that Lillian was trying to reconcile with her. Right. Right. Uh, I think the only trailing thought that I have on this too is uh, it's a on this episode is I'm still rooting for James eventually retiring from being Guardian and. Monel becoming guardian. It's still a thing I want to happen. Monel does need a suit. Yep, he does. He does. Yes, he does. Okay, so well, um, thanks to to uh, Mandy and Michael for coming along on on this podcast. Thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion. Feel free to leave comments on the website. Um, and I suppose that's it for this time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.